Um, let's pray for God to speak to us because otherwise this is kind of a waste of time. Um, Father God, we love you and we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. We thank you that you are a God who changes us from the inside out. We thank you that you do not leave us as we are. You do not leave us in our brokenness and our pain and, um, and all of those things, but you come and you rescue us and you have relationship with us, and you make yourself known to us so that we can walk in freedom and in hope and in peace and in joy. And Father God, I ask that as we read your word today that you would um, produce that fruit of freedom and life and joy and peace in our hearts and in our relationships, that we would um, not just waste time today, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, we ask that you would do that by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you because you are a God who does in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last couple of weeks, like Dan said, we've been talking about repentance. And um, Dan, two weeks ago, we talked about how repentance, the word in the Old Testament that's used for repentance is a word that literally means like to turn around, to do that 180 degree turn. And that's um, what a lot of us have been hearing throughout our walk with the Lord. Um, and the problem with that is that in the New Testament, it's actually a different word, and it kind of means something a little different. So we've been brought up in kind of this walk of faith, and I can just tell you, I have been brought up in a form of Christianity that was wonderful, but I was always taught that I needed to do better and be better, and, and that was kind of the point, you know, of like being a Christian, was doing better and being better. And, and that was really heavy and, and really kind of uh, demoralizing, actually. And because I wasn't like, despite my, my best efforts, um, even if I was behaving better, I knew I wasn't better. You know, like I knew my heart was as icky as anyone's heart, but I mean, I was like trying to manage it, you know, managing my behavior pretty well. Um, and so this word that's used for repentance in the New Testament is, is different. It's um, this Greek word, I don't know how to say it, but it's something like metanoio. And it means to change one's mind, to change the way you think about everything after being with, which is just so interesting. So from meta to change after being with and uh, noio to think, it's to think differently after being with Jesus. That's what repentance is, is to think differently after being with Jesus. So it's literally that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we think about everything differently. We see everything differently and it changes the way that we do everything, right? That's what repentance is. And repentance isn't just, it's not a thing that we do. It's actually a noun. It's a gift that's given. And multiple times in the New Testament, we see that word repent and it's called a gift, that they receive the gift of repentance because we cannot on our own know the mind of God and become more like him. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. We have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit for that to be accomplished. And so this week, what we wanna talk about is what does repentance, this changing our mind after being with Jesus, what does that do? What does that look like in the context of relationships? As believers, when we come into relationships, how do we walk into relationships differently? Because we've been with Jesus. And I believe wholeheartedly that scripture, that the Holy Spirit wants to give us like a completely different way of looking at relationships than we have ever had on our own. 
a completely different way of looking at relationships than what our culture has. Um, Marcus taught last week, and one of the things that he said, he gave us a little different definition of repentance. He said it's a reordering of the authority in our lives. A reordering of the authority in our lives. It's turning from self or from sin to God. And I think in the context of uh, relationships, we're going to talk about turning from self-life, it's all about me, to Christ's life. So instead of me being at the center of every relationship and every interaction that I have, Jesus is at the center of it, and it changes everything. Marcus shared a vision with us um, that the Lord gave him really at probably the darkest moment in his life. Um, He saw a vision of himself seated on a throne, and there were steps leading down from the throne, and he was surrounded um, by darkness, um, and, and he knew in the vision that this darkness was really, it was like the desolation and the ruins of the kingdom he had built for himself. Everything that he had built for himself, for his own ego, it was, it was gone. It was destroyed. He had lost it all. And he looked um, back, and he saw Jesus at the foot of these steps, and he said, Jesus didn't even have to say anything. I knew what he was saying to me. He's saying, like, are, are you done yet? Are you ready to get off the throne and let me take my rightful place? It's a lot easier if we do that with four, like, the kingdom is ruined. But usually we don't. Usually we have to come to the end of ourselves before we're willing to say, yes, I'm done. I'm done. Lord, would you, would you take the throne? Would you do something different? And some of us are at the end of ourselves and some of the relationships in our lives. And maybe today is a moment where we can say, I'm done doing this my way. I'm done fighting for my life, for my, for my pride. I just, I want you to take the throne of my life. I want you to be on the throne in this relationship. Um, so today we're going to look at what is the difference between living with self on the throne and, and living with Jesus on the throne and our relationships. And um, for each of us, this is really going to look different, which makes this a super broad topic because I don't know what your issue is, you know, but you have one. Um, I know a lot of my issues. <laughs> um, Holy Spirit knows even more of my issues than I really know because some of my issues don't seem like issues to me. Do you know what I'm saying? And some of your issues don't seem like issues to you, but they still are. And that's okay. So we're just asking Holy Spirit to teach us a little bit, you know, just Lord, would you be the one that teaches us, that teaches us your way? Um, One of the things um, that self looks like on the throne is that we spend our life and our energy building for ourselves a kingdom, right? When we walk into relationship, we walk into relationship saying like, well, how does this make me better? How does this serve my purposes? I'm building for myself a kingdom, one that's worthy of, of, you know, like, oh, <laughs> wow. It looks like making a name for ourselves. This is like at the core of the human race, right? Genesis 11, there's a group of people that settles in the plain of Shinar and they join together and they say, let us build this tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. It is the human condition. Like we were born, no one has to teach you how to try to make a name for yourself. You were born like serving yourself, protecting yourself, gratifying yourself. Like that is, that is just how we're born. And so when Jesus gives us a whole, new, a whole nother way, we're not comparing ourselves to everyone in the world being like, but I mean, I, like, 
I still have rights, you know? Like we, we actually give those up because self is off the throne and Jesus is on the throne. Um, self on the throne looks a lot like living for our own glory. Do you know one of the synonyms for glory is weightiness, heaviness, significance. And when we are living for our own glory, we bear the weight of that, don't we? We all know what it's like to live under the weight of, of trying to prove our glory and maintain our glory and maintain our reputation. Um, it is, it's heavy and it actually leads to a lot of anxiety. I think a lot of anxiety that we experience in life and in social interaction is because self is on the throne and we're living for our own glory and we kind of know that like we're not as awesome as we want everyone else to think that we are. But the reality is that Jesus loves you exactly how you are. So we don't need to prove anything to anyone. We don't have to bear the weight of this glory. Instead, with Jesus on the throne, he reveals his glory and he bears the weight of that. And we get to enter into relationships with freedom and joy and peace. It's amazing. It's such a gift. So I wanted to, um, oh, the other thing I wanted to say about self on the throne is this. When self is on the throne, like it is our master. A lot of times when self is on the throne of our heart, our ego, whatever, however you want to say that, like it controls us. It actually compels us to behave a certain way in relationships, right? We are, sometimes we do things and we don't even know why we do the things that we do, but we are from deep within compelled to fight for our pride or whatever it is in, in relationships. And we're like, man, I know I'm being destructive, but I cannot help myself. I have to because sin is my master. I'm actually a slave to it. That's what scripture says, that we are a slave to our sinful nature until Christ comes and sets us free. Um, what was I gonna say about that? Oh yeah, this is what I was gonna say, is that self is like, it's never silent. It never like sits back like, we'll just see how this works out. It is incredibly vocal, right? And, and I think that perhaps self is never more vocal than in our interaction with other humans, right? There's like no other area in the human experience where we experience bigger emotions than in our relationships. Because self is like awake for that. It's here for this, right? Like I need to know how this is affecting my, I don't know, pride. I think it's all kind of comes down to that. Um, there's something that the Lord put on my heart to say, and I'm trying to remember where it is. Oh, the thing is that when Jesus comes and he sets us, like, oh, okay, here's the thing. Like, so we're really compelled by all of these things. And, and the reality is, like, we don't even understand why we're doing what we're doing. And a lot of times there is, like, like you could go to a counselor, and they might be able to help you understand why you were doing the things that you were doing. And they could probably give you some strategies to stop behaving in the destructive way that you were behaving. Do you know what no counselor can do? There is no counselor that can set you free from self. But we do have a mighty counselor. We have the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He is the spirit of counsel. And unlike mental health professionals who are fantastic and a great resource, unlike that, he actually has the authority to set you free. The Holy Spirit has the authority to set you free 
from this compelling behavior that's destructive in your relationships. I don't know exactly what that behavior looks like for you. I actually want to pass the mic around for just a minute and, and kind of ask you guys, what does it look like? Like just practically speaking, probably each of you guys, as we've been talking, has had a moment of like, oh yeah, I do that. Um, what does it look like when self is on the throne in our relationships? How do we enter into relationships when self is kind of at the center of it? Hi, my name is Kiki. Um, I think it's very interesting, you know, God, God seems to know things. Um, and, um, and always surprises me, but, you know, just the timeliness of your message of, you know, just this whole topic has been so perfect in my life. Um, and so just recently, this is, you know, just the whole, you know, um, message of just turning back to God and listening for him and, and whatnot. So to take a lot of little pieces and sum it up into um, a couple words, the one thing that I recently had an experience with is that I really saw myself as being playing God, mm-hmm. playing um, being the savior to everybody around me. And I was exhausted. Yeah. I was tired. And, um, and I sort of had this vision where I was running. And I was running so hard. And I kept running. And I kept running. And I was working so hard. And I was exhausted. I was so tired. And I got to this clearing where I just stopped. You know, kind of like when Forrest Gump quit running. And he just decided, I'm not going to run anymore. And he just stopped and turned around. And um, that was kind of what happened, you know, in this kind of vision. And I'd, I've never really had visions, but this one was really very real. And then I just started to receive mm-hmm. and just receive love and and kindness and care. And it was amazing. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, and so since then, it's really, ama- you know, I mean, it's a lot to process, and mm-hmm. I can't seem mm-hmm. to get it out of my head, which is a yeah. good thing. Um, and so now, and with that came a lot of just dropping all of these responsibilities, mm-hmm. and not that I'm irresponsible, mm-hmm. But just in my mind, that I had to be the savior, that I had been, I had decided that I was going to be God. Mm -hmm. And um, now he's saying, no, you know, I'm here. Let me do this. But more importantly, let me love you and give you rest. That's good. That's amazing. That's good. It changes everything. It does. Go ahead. Um, I think that when we're going into a relationship and self is leading, we're looking at that person as, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I getting out of this? Mm-hmm. And when we're in a conversation, or when we're in a conversation with someone, we're thinking of the next thing we need want to say, mm-hmm. as opposed to listening mm-hmm. to what they're saying and trying to understand. Yeah, I, I know that with, uh, with my marriage, um, and we just celebrated our 32nd anniversary, 
it's taken time for us to get to a point where we can be talking and and the the tension starts going up a little bit and then I'll step back and go okay wait a minute that's not what I what you're saying is not what I'm understanding mm -hmm. and coming at things you know learning to come at something from somebody else's perspective yeah. and Hey, it's only taken 32 years, <laughs> right on. It's counterintuitive. It yeah. truly is. Like, the, we need to learn the Lord's way. It would be, it's really nice when he just teaches us, yeah. right? All right. Anyone else? Any more thoughts? Um, I have a few, a list of some things. Um, I think that when self is on the throne. Okay, go ahead. Hi, I'm Shanti. You are asking me something that triggered a word for me, tradition. Hmm. I have failed under God because hmm. of that word. Hmm. A little bit of background. Um, <laughs> my generation, you know, you do as you're told. Mm -hmm. And you better know what I'm thinking and feeling because you need to act on that. Mm -hmm. And you better do it correctly because if you don't, I'm mad. But at the same time, never was it with God's word. Hmm. So knowing in my heart mm -hmm. at that time, I got to say, I was five or six years old. I remember mm -hmm. feeling him mm -hmm. sitting under a tree. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> in the middle of a field, there's a tree, and I was under it. And that's a time I remember having my connection with him. Mm -hmm. But then somewhere along the way, I lost it mm -hmm. under this tradition. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to no, cry and get all into it because, like mm -hmm. you just said, it's not for me to have. So that's, um, I want to say thank you for saying mm -hmm. this today because it's really resonating with me. Mm -hmm. And you're helping me learn how to give it to him, but more importantly, to let go of what I was taught and told and punished for. Mm -hmm. That is so hard to do. Yeah. One of the things that we carry into a lot of relationships is that it's a sense of shame, a sense of failure. And when we bring that into relationship, it's, it's hard. It's heavy. And there's no winning. It feels like there's no winning. And the Lord comes and he sets us free from that. We have one online. Yeah. Um, my own self gets in the way because I won't allow people in when I am drowning. Mm. Because I don't want to make them feel the pain I feel. Mm. Which leads to self-destruction of bottling everything inside and not allowing for fellowship or relationships that God intended. Wow. That's good. That's real good. That's real good. Um, yeah. That's good. Um, it, it manifests itself in so many different ways. And for each of us, it's different. Um, one of the things that I see is insecurity. Insecurity is when we walk into a relationship thinking about what that person thinks about me instead of thinking about what God thinks about that person. Uh, it manifests in um, neediness. Like if we're not receiving from the Lord who, like our love and, and he's meeting our needs and we come into relationships just trying to suck the life out of other people because we need life, right? Um, it manifests in comparison that I don't, I don't have peace being who I am because you might be better than me or I don't know if I like you because you're not as good as me or whatever that comparison is. I can't rest and just be faithful in what God's called me to do. I need to compare myself. Um, it manifests a lot of times in stress and ambition and irritability because I'm trying to make, I'm, I'm building my kingdom here. I'm a little too busy to love you. 
Like there's just not time for that. Sometimes that's a problem for me in parenting. I'm like, oh my gosh, do you really need something right now? I have things to do, right? But when self is not on the throne, we're able to be like, okay, I love you. I'm prioritizing you above building this kingdom for myself. Um, I think it manifests a lot in unforgiveness and in easily being offended. Because the reality is when we're building for a kingdom for ourselves, like we know that this kingdom is actually very fragile. And so it's not hard to set us off because it's a really, we're holding to onto a really fragile sense of dignity and honor. Um, and so those are just some kind of red flags. Um, so what are we going to do with the me monster within? What do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Um, our part really is to abdicate the throne, to say, God, I want your way more than I want my way. And then to fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to read just a couple of verses real fast that um, point to this in Galatians 2, 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live I live by faith in the Son of God. And then in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 22, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Um, one thing I love about this passage in particular is it talks about these deceitful desires. Like we are compelled to do these things because we feel like we're like in control or we're protecting ourselves or we're, you know, whatever. It's, it's really destroying us and it's destroying our relationship. It's destroying our marriage. It's destroying our kids. Like the desires that we have to fight for our self are deceptive we're told to put them off. And then in, if, in um, let's see, Colossians 3, um, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. You did. You died. Amen. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so what are we going to do with the me monster? It has to die. It doesn't get to like be on a limited diet. We're not just like feeding it a little bit. We're literally like, it has to go. It has to die by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we, like our role is literally to say, I'm no longer gonna gratify my sinful nature. I'm gonna turn my attention from that to Jesus. I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna put on the new self. I'm gonna live for him alone. Interestingly, in each of these passages that we just read and in Romans where we're about to um, look for the rest of the time, um, in each of these passages, it literally talks about, um, it shares the gospel, the story that you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven for your sins, you've been made new, you have the Holy Spirit, now you have to die. And then the next section of scripture talks about how we do relationships. Because when this happens, when self gets off the throne, we do relationships differently. And that is um, in John 17, Jesus is praying for um, for all of us um, before he goes to the cross. And he says, um, Lord, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they might be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. There's, if we can grasp this, if we can begin to live with Christ at the center of our relationships, um, it is literally what sets us apart. It's what makes Christ known um, to the world around us. So we're gonna spend the rest of our time in Romans um, chapter 12. 
And we're just gonna look at um, what, what does it look like um, when Jesus is on the throne? Because we're gonna look away from self and look toward Jesus and we're just gonna allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, right? Just, we're just gonna look through it and be like, oh, that's hard for me. Maybe self still lives there. The reality is all of us still have a little bit of self going on right? And so we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. God, where can you make me more whole? Where can you give me more freedom? So um, Romans 12 in verse 1, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's a living sacrifice. It's an ongoing choice to look away from self and look to Jesus and, and ask him to give us his perspective. Um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Um, you know, early on in my marriage, I realized there were some people I couldn't talk to if I was mad at my husband because the pattern of this world was, he did what? Oh, uh-uh. Like, you cannot allow him to do, and, and it was very, it was the pattern of this world, and it was destructive, it wasn't the heart of God for my marriage or for my husband or even for me, right? Sometimes we need to be careful about what are, what are the messages that we're listening to. Um, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then it starts talking about relationships for like three chapters. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The very first step in turning away from self and turning toward God is that we no longer see ourselves the way, I don't know, like the idol that we built up in our minds that we want to be or the self-loathing version of ourselves that we hate. We don't see ourselves from a worldly perspective. We see ourselves the way God sees us. God has no illusions about us. When he looks at you, he sees you exactly the way you are. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your vulnerabilities and he loves you and he sees you as a child that he formed and he made for his glory. And so we don't need to prove anything when you walk into relationships. We just, we already know truth. And you know what? If other people know truth, it's not that bad. It's fine. You can know truth about me. God knows that truth and he loves me. I'm good. We don't have so much to protect because, um, we're just agreeing with him. I love that it says, in accordance with a measure of faith God has given you, to the extent that God has revealed himself to you. Fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on that. Be obedient to what he's revealed now. The next few verses talk about how we are many and we're different, um, but we're one body. And it says, Basically, look, if, if you're a prophet, prophesy. If you're a teacher, teach. If you encourage, encourage. If you serve, serve. And I think what's getting at is when Christ is at the center of our hearts, we don't have to compete for value or significance. We all have value. And so when Christ is at the center of our hearts, we just freely bring what God has given us to bring. We don't have to do anything else. Just, just be faithful with what God has given you. It's actually good. It's good enough. It's beautiful. We need it in the body of Christ. Um, in verse nine, it says, love must be sincere, which I think is just super problematic uh, because it means that you actually have to love them. Like you can't fake love them. You can't pretend to love them. That's not what it says. It says, no, no. If Christ is on the, is, is on the throne of your heart, you will actually love them. You will hate what is evil and cling to what is good. It's not that you won't notice the fact that they have issues. 
You're not going to become stupid because you love them. But you're going to cling to what is beautiful and you're going to celebrate it. You're going to love people for who they are. Um, Let's see what the next one is. In verse 14, the next section, it talks about, um, this is also so problematic. Um, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And then in verse 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Guys, it's really hard. I mean, I think this is getting at unforgiveness, bitterness, right? Um, So often we hold on to that. And there's an incredible like self-protective thing inside of us that wants to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness because someone made us feel worthless or made us feel powerless. And we feel like if we forgive that, then we're like agreeing with them that maybe we really are as worthless and powerless as this person made me feel and self cannot handle that. But for some reason, Jesus says, we're supposed to bless them. We're not supposed to allow that evil to overcome us. It's because he wants to set us free. And um, one of the things I love about this is that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus, he didn't get a pass because he was God. No one has done anything to you that they didn't do to Jesus, literally. If you have been ridiculed, hated, unjustly accused, um, abused, murdered, not yet, you know, if no matter what you have been through, like it was done to Jesus and it wasn't easier for him because he was God. The Bible tells us that he suffered in his humanity. And so when he says, I want you to forgive, I want you to release this debt, it's not because he, he wants you to be weak, it's because he wants to give you his heart and his strength. He has compassion for you. When, when it comes to like people being hard to love, like he actually walked this path. People were hard for him to love. I really believe that. He chose love. He chose to see them the way his father did. He had a flesh and people probably irritated it. But he's a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He has compassion for us. He's so kind to us. Um, When you're wrestling with one of these things, you can come to Jesus. You can be like, God, but I really hate them. I really do. I'm really mad, I'm really hurt, and Jesus has compassion for you. You don't have to pretend that you don't. That's not what the scriptures say. It says, bring it to me, I have compassion for you. I'll help you, I'll help you see a different way. Um, in, verse, in chapter 13, um, it talks about how um, we, when Christ is on the throne of our hearts, we submit joyfully, really, to authority, all authority, Um, And this is really hard for us because if self is on the throne of our hearts and um, there's really like no authority in our lives that stands at the foot of the throne and is like, bow down, you awesome. Like that's not what they're there for, right? We don't like it because self is on the throne and we, we want people to be kind of like worshiping us, not over us. But when Christ is on the throne of our hearts, it's okay, we're free to do that. Whether the person is worthy of our honor or not, we're free to honor and, and to pray for and to bless people who are in authority over us. Um, in chapter 13, verse 10, it says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. They're literally all of the law and prophets are this, just love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and, and it brings life in Romans 8, 1. It says um, that the law was powerless to like fix us, basically, But what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son. 
in the likeness of human flesh to be a sin offering for us. So what we were powerless to do, Christ accomplishes in us. Um, verse 14, chapter 13, verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Don't even think about it. What's that picture? Just returning away from self and returning toward Jesus. I'm clothing myself in the Lord Jesus. Father, would you teach us how to do this? In chapter 15, it goes into um, how, or chapter 14, sorry, it goes into um, not judging one another and actually behaving in such a way that we show preference to someone else. So what was happening um, in the Roman church is that there were Greek believers and there are Roman believers and there were Jewish believers and the Jewish believers felt like, for example, pork was really unclean and you can never eat that. But the Roman believers grew up on pork and they're like, that is so high maintenance. No, right? And, and Paul is actually like, I mean, the Romans are right. Like there's actually, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. That was the law. The law has passed away. Like you can eat whichever you want to. No food is unclean in and of itself. But he talks about, look, um, this is in 14 verse four. Um, where is it? I have to find it. Because my Bible tore, there's like this like verse section of verses that are not in my Bible and it happens to be these, great. Um, so Romans 14 verse four, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. And then in verse 10, um, it says this, you then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Um, so when Christ is on the throne of our hearts, we don't sit as judge because we're not on the throne. He is. We let him sit as judge and we just love people. We don't need to fix them. He's got it. In uh, Romans 14, we're just going to work through this. We're almost there. Romans 14, verse 15, it says this. I think this is problematic because it means I have to die to myself. But, okay, um, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Here's the bottom line. It's saying, look, if, if your brother is having a problem because of the freedom that you have, um, even if you are right, that's not love. You being right is less important than loving people. Amen. Darn it. Darn it. I love being right and I don't like just loving people. Okay. In verse 17, it says for the kingdom. I mean, I'm just saying like, this is real, right? Like so I would rather be right, but if that's okay, Lord Jesus, help me. Um, okay. So verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So when Christ is on the throne, we actually can like go out of our way to honor and to bring peace. Um, we can die to self in that way. Um, Romans 15, one, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Okay, don't please yourself. Each one should please his neighbor for his own good to build him up. Um, all of these things are just ways that 
this is what it looks like when God is on the throne of our hearts. And it's not hard and it's not impossible. It's actually when, when Jesus is enthroned in our hearts and relationships, this becomes natural. It becomes the overflow. Um, so how do we get from where we are to there? It's really a great question because we're not going to walk out and like never think about self again. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, so, but there's a path, right? Like we just need, we need like, okay, how do I get there? What do I do? And so um, in my life, this is kind of the, the way that the Lord has little by little been working on my heart. And that is that when I interact with people on a daily basis and, um, and, it, and it, it like initiates some sort of emotional response in me. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's like really big, but there's an emotional response. Maybe I'm angry. Maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I'm hurt. Uh, maybe I just leave and I'm like, oh, like my stomach is like, like just kind of turning. I'm not sure why I'm so uncomfortable with that interaction, but I'm uncomfortable with it, right? And, and we walk in and out of relationships like with this all the time. Sometimes I'm on my way to meet people and I'm like, Lord, okay, what is, what is this emotion that I'm feeling? Why do I feel this? And so this path forward, it's every time you walk um, into or out of an interaction with someone and you have kind of this emotional reaction, um, you don't have to ignore it, but just say, um, just confess it to God, right? Like, Lord, I feel anxious. Just bring them into the conversation. God, I feel anxious. I feel so mad. I feel rejected. And I don't even know why. I'm not even sure they did anything to do that. But we just confess it to the Lord. And then we ask God for wisdom and insight. God, why is this feeling here? Because my flesh is like rearing up, right? Why is that there? What's happening? Can you give me wisdom? What do you want me to know about this? Sometimes it's because there's just injustice and, and the God's heart is, is grieved. And sometimes that's what he'll tell you, that this grieves my heart. That's okay. Sometimes he'll be like, oh, that's because self is on the throne, honey. Um, and so, God, what do you want me to know about this? And then I just ask the Lord, God, how do you feel about this person? How do you feel about this situation? And sometimes you have to sit in that for a while. Sometimes it's later that night when the kids have gone to bed and I'll sit down and just be like, okay, Lord, I feel this way. How do you feel? Will you show me something? What do you know that I don't know? Because I want to see them from your perspective. I want a new paradigm of how to walk in relationship with people. And then if the Lord reveals something to you, or if there's something in the word that you know, like sometimes the Lord doesn't reveal something specifically to me, but I know that God isn't anxious and I'm anxious. So I can say, Lord, you are peace. And I'm just going to sit with the Lord and experience his peace for a little bit. But whenever, um, and this is a process, it's little by little, it's from glory to glory. We're being transformed into his likeness. Um, so my encouragement for you today is to little by little, as you walk in and out of relationships today, like when you're picking a place to go to lunch and you're all yelling at each other, be like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to know about this? Because I'm real angry and have a lot to say, things like that. Okay. Um, so in Romans, we're going to close with this and then we'll pray. Um, in Romans 15, verse five through seven, it says this, may the God, this is my blessing for you. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Um, Father God, we thank you that you are a God who brings um, endurance and encouragement. 
Lord, we ask that you would give us endurance in the relationships that you've placed us in, that you would give us encouragement, that you would allow us, Father, to be like-minded and loving to one another, and that you would help us to be a people that reveals you, your love, your kindness, your peace to the people around us. Um, Lord, we recognize that we cannot do that in our flesh. We recognize that every time that we try to build something for ourselves, Lord, we screw it up and we hurt people. And so, Father, we turn away from that. Lord, we want to be set free from it. We want that self, that me monster within, we want it to be crucified. We want it to die. Would you help us? Would you help us, God, little by little, to look away from that and to fix our eyes on you and to be transformed by your heart for people and by your heart for us, God. We ask that we would be a people who has a completely new way of thinking because we've been with you. And we ask that you would give us freedom that we've never experienced before, joy that we've never experienced before, peace um, that just hasn't been a part of our relationships. Father, we thank you that you come to give us those things and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.